Now, get ready to spend the next two hours with our three sports-loving ladies, Lauren Brooks, Taylor Dahl, and Mia O'Brien. This is Helmets and Heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. Welcome in to Helmets and Heels on this non-victory Tuesday night. ESPN is on here in the studio and... They're showing Trevor Lawrence getting helped off the field last night. Obviously, the Jaguars lost 34-31 in overtime. I feel like and they didn't have to do the banner the way, the way they just yeah, did. Yeah, they just did. Jaguars lose. Lawrence hurt. That, like those this, are the only two things The they only said. one that's worse, and Taylor and I were talking about this in our office, is when D-Rock was on earlier today live with Jay Harris, and the lower uh, super banner was... <laughs> Trevor Lawrence hurt because Walker Little fell into him. And I was like, man, you got to do Walker Little like that? Like, I mean, there were a lot of things that went wrong on that play. Like, I don't know if we could just put it all on Walker. I mean, he was hurt, too. Yeah. And also, he he got hurt, too, on the play. Yeah, that's that's for starters. So, apparently, Frank was telling us this, that Baselli said that Walker Little was actually hurt on the play before. And he was trying to tough out the hamstring injury. And then he got bull rushed by Sam... Uh, Bullard, no, no, by Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson, mm-hmm. uh, and Sam Hubbard is who I was thinking of, um, but not him. And then that's when, that's why he got hurt. It in the end, there's also other communications issues on the plays, yeah. but all of it to say, Trevor Lawrence is not lost for the season. Hopefully, I'm going mm-hmm. to add that he doesn't need surgery. Doug believes as of now, and hopefully, he's going to be able to play soon. I don't know if that's this Sunday. I would doubt that, but. We shall see. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence has been hurt before, and we didn't expect him necessarily back that quickly. And he was able to play, whether it's last year when he suffered the toe injury mm-hmm. and the loss of the Lions, this year when he suffered the knee injury, and then he played against the Saints on Thursday Night Football in a short week. So to me, Mia, anything is possible. Yeah, and the only thing we know for certain, as this also now pops up on Center, is that Christian Kirk is the only player who Doug Peterson said definitively will miss some time, is getting a second opinion uh, on that core muscle injury. It was officially listed as a groin injury last night. Listeners at home can kind of do the math on what that injury may exactly be. Um, and depending on what that second opinion and what the results of sending out the MRI and what have you out reveal, he could have surgery. I did hear Dan Graziano of ESPN say, or actually, it's not great Dan Graziano. I just saw him on the TV. Mike Garofolo. I love my Italians from New Jersey with <laughs> last names that begin with G. Um, Garofolo did say that he heard that if, let's say, Christian Kirk has surgery this week, he could be ready for the postseason. Now, this team clearly learned last night you can't be thinking about the postseason right now. This is a week-to-week business, and you got to be focused on the next game at hand. But obviously, that is probably more optimal than just saying, all right, he's got done for the year. You won't see him until next season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read, I want to say it was Rappaport that said possibly eight weeks. And if that's the case, then he could return for potentially the, the AFC Super Championship <laughs> game. And then, yeah, maybe the Super Bowl. Uh, right. I don't think that that's where their heads certainly need to be at. And a lot went wrong last night, Taylor, from the injury, obviously, to several different players, but certainly to the quarterback. The defense completely collapsed, had several, several issues. Yeah. And special teams also didn't come through the way that we expect them to. It was so disappointing to me because not only did I know a ton of people in the stands so excited for this game, mm-hmm. but because this was your moment yeah. to to silence the doubters that say, oh, I'm not I don't I'm not sure I believe in the Jaguars yet. This was your moment and you laid an egg. 
Yeah, and that's what I was just tell- telling Frank on, on Crosstalk is because that is the the biggest bummer. Obviously, you do not want to see injuries, especially to your franchise quarterback, especially to a guy like Christian Kirk who's having a season where every single game he seems like he's one of the more reliable pieces. Um, but when you are on that uh, that primetime platform and listening to the pregame too of um, when they're, they're just going on and on about how good the Jags defense is and how they have one of the best run defenses in the league and no one's been able to run on them. And they're going through all of these numbers. And then they're like, and the Bengals haven't been able to run all year. And the Bengals defense has been disappointing this season. And it just like everything completely flopped in this game to where you're like, man, like they were finally giving some recognition. I felt like in the beginning of, okay, like, hey, this this Jaguars team has been playing really well and they've been doing some really mm-hmm. good things. And then you feel like it kind of, it, it, not kind of, it did fall flat in this game because, like you said, there was a lot of issues. There was missed tackles of guys that we've seen play. Darius Williams has been lights out all season, and I saw I saw three different moments where I was like, what, where, what is he doing? Like, he doesn't do that. Uh, Tyson Campbell. Tyson Campbell we've been talking about all season Arguably long. Arguably the worst game since his rookie season. Just moments like that where you're like, these are the guys that you've been able to consistently count on all year. Not so much on the offensive side of the ball that we, they've had ups and downs, but I feel like the defense has been consistent. And to fall flat on Monday Night Football, it, it, it's a bummer. It really Here's sucks. one positive, though, to that. Obviously, the, the biggest positive is that Trevor Lawrence, you know, is – Day-to-day, week-to-week, however you want to look at it, which that is extremely, like, the the positive. But according to 537 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures, last night's Bengals-Jaguars Monday Night Football game averaged a combined 16.4 million viewers across ABC, ESPN, and the Manning cast. It was the season high on the Manning cast. The largest Week 13 Monday Night Football audience overall since 2000. And 10. So I don't want to hear it about no one wants to watch the Jags and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, yeah, I, well, and yeah, that's definitely good. I think a lot of that was it was constant lead changes. There was multiple ties in the game. So when people look at their phones and they're like, oh, this is a good game, we should turn it on. Um, I do think that played a factor in it. But I do think because of the way the Jags have been playing in certain games recently where Trevor Lawrence, you feel like has was starting to turn that corner of maybe in the beginning it was a little slow in certain aspects, and lately you've been like, okay, Trevor's back. Like what we saw in the second half last season, we started to see again. And so a lot of people were probably wanting to tune in for that. And it's not Joe Burrow. If Joe Burrow was there, imagine what it, it would even look like. So it is cool because you are seeing now that people are showing some recognition. But then, again, unfortunate because that many people saw the defense lay an egg. Yeah, and they they saw the quarterback slam his helmet down and and be carried off the field. And I think sometimes people write teams off when that happens. We just saw last night why you shouldn't do that, though. Mm -hmm. Jake Browning looked like the second coming of Joe Burrow last (laughs) night, the way he torched this defense and got the ball to his playmakers. And that's what I I, lost a little bit is how good Trevor Lawrence was playing. Yeah. My goodness, some of the passes he was throwing, and not all were caught, by the way. Yeah. His numbers would have would have looked even better had each pass been caught, but that's going to happen. You're going to have drops. But my word, like, yes, here is Trevor Lawrence making his Monday Night Football debut, and then yeah. everyone sees him get hurt. But at the end of the day, I do wonder, Mia, if Joe Burrow was in the game last night, is there a different – energy for the team all week last week in preparation and is there a different way that the defense plays knowing they're going up against one of the best quarterbacks in all of football versus a guy making his second career start yes I haven't even spoken outside of you know I haven't I spoke with obviously several defensive players last night Mm -hmm. in the postgame locker room 
Haven't spoken to any of them today. But while they wouldn't concede it last night, I'm sure when we talk to them throughout the duration of this week, there will be a little bit of, yeah, another good wake-up call, which I know mm-hmm. you Jaguar fans out there are sick and tired of hearing it, but the reality is this is still a young team. It's going to take a couple of wake-up calls. Like, it doesn't just happen. You know, what, yeah. what, what's the line from? You can't just make fetch happen. Like, like that's literally what it is. You can't yeah. just make a team learn how to win and also sustain wins. It's great that this team has been able to rally since the midway point of last year. They've found themselves down in games. They find ways to win. They go down 14-13 to the Texans in Houston. No worries. March right down the field, score. Defense gets a stop, score again. Like, that's great, but there's a whole other side of this now that they're still learning. And I think if you talk to Doug Peterson even before this game, he would say the same thing. Yeah. Well, in addition, there's team – the Bengals right now are fighting really hard to even get a playoff spot because – and they're doing it without their starting quarterback. So there probably is a little extra, like, fire under them because they're obviously a talented roster. You can go through the list of all the players, and even without a quarterback – we talked about it last week, and we'll get into it next segment. But, like, guys like Jamar Chase, it's it's hard to not let him have big moments, and he had big moments. And the thing with teams like the Bengals is you have to limit those, and unfortunately the Jags just couldn't do that yesterday. Yeah, and I do think Tyson Campbell was hurt playing hurt last night, and then we know he did also sustain a quad injury, so mm-hmm. that he might have been rushed back just a little bit fast. Uh, but all that to say, Mia, time now for the Jaguars injury report, and I know it will not be short. The personal injury attorneys of Farah and Farah present this injury update. Farah and Farah. Jacksonville. Exclusive injury law firm of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Here we go. All right. One by one, we begin with Trevor Lawrence, the right high ankle sprain. I know there's been much debate about a high ankle sprain versus a low ankle sprain. Low ankle sprain is supposed to be less severe than the high, and yet Doug Peterson said that this is, quote, just a high ankle sprain. In saying so, I think he was referring to the MRI coming back clean. There is no ligament damage. It is just a sprain. Yes, it is in the high ankle region, but it sounded like, from what Doug said, there's no need for surgery, and it's just going to be a pain tolerance week by week, see how the swelling goes, and from there the Jaguars will be able to determine if Trevor Lawrence is able to give it a go this week the following week, so on and so forth. All right, and we get to Christian Kirk, the core muscle injury. Again, they are getting a second opinion in terms of if surgery is needed. Doug Peterson said he believes it may actually come to pass, and then it would be that four to eight week anywhere between there because we don't know exactly what the injury is for his return to the field. Walker Little, left hamstring injury. He suffered actually earlier than the play that Trevor was hurt on. I've been told that It is significant enough that he could also miss some time. Doug Peterson said today that they're going to continue to just monitor it. They're going to see how he can wait bear, if you may. If he can't go, Blake Hans steps in as the swing tackle. Trey Herndon. And then who's the swing tackle, by the way? That's a great question. Most likely Cole Van Lannan or or Ezra Cleveland um, because we know he had expressed interest in playing tackle, the position he played at Boise State. Trey Herndon remains in the concussion protocol. This was a good one, um, and, uh, not good because obviously it's an injury, but Greg Jr. obviously spent some time on the reserve injured list earlier this year with a hamstring injury. He came up limp in the game, was listed with a hamstring injury. Doug Peterson said today that it was just cramps, and so hopefully the cramps are able to subside, but we did see Andre Sisco miss a game earlier this year because of cramps to his hamstring. Speaking of Andre, he left the game briefly with a shoulder injury, but he told me, and Doug Peterson confirmed this morning, he is doing A-OK. Bully Farukasi was listed with an ankle injury. Doug explained that it's more of a heel contusion. He is officially day-to-day. And Tyson Campbell had missed the last few games with a hamstring injury. He suffered a right quad strain during overtime. He is also considered 
day-to-day this week. Travis Etienne entered the game with a rib injury. Doug said that he, quote, made it out clean, but obviously was sore this morning. This is the Farrah and Farrah injury update. Can I also well ask done. you, uh, because what about Bethard? Because there were moments during the game where he was like holding his wrist for a little bit and people were a little concerned. Was there anything with that? Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. Um, so apparently, because I was not with Doug, I was in the locker room and so Hayes was in there. Let me okay. double check it. Um, I read that Bethard said to someone in the locker room that he did like feel like something with his wrist, but he was fine. Because yeah. obviously he kept going, but I just rem- there was like a few moments and the camera kept zooming in on his hand, and I was like, okay, we don't have another quarterback. <laughs> he, yeah. he, he did, so CJ Beathard did speak with reporters at the podium as well last night, and he said that um, I just landed on my shoulder weird. It's nothing I'm worried about. It's weird that he says shoulder because it was definitely his wrist. He was well, maybe he up. was like holding. Yeah, maybe he was like holding up his yeah. like whole arm. Right, yeah. and so but I he mean, was never put. On the injury report as far as last night is concerned, yeah. or he was never, it was never communicated to us, any injuries in the press box. Yeah. But we'll see with tomorrow's practice if he's listed on the injury report. And what is interesting, Mia, is that Trevor Lawrence will speak to the media tomorrow. So yes. I feel like that's good news. It's very good news. It's not CJ Beathard automatically speaking nope. to the media. And everybody I spoke to this, this afternoon down at the bank said, oh yeah, he's on the schedule. And I think it's not just Jaguar fans that are saying it. It is people inside that building that the the commonality between I don't even know if that's a word, but like the commonality between it is perfect uh, between Patrick Mahomes and Trevor Lawrence goes beyond the arm talent. It's the fact that they are both Gumby and yeah. they both have this weird ability to overcome injuries that any other human would be on the shelf for weeks or months. And right. Mahomes played with a high ankle sprain yeah. in the same game. Yes. That's, Against yeah. the Jaguars in the yeah. AFC divisional round. He yeah. came back out of the locker room and played. Uh, yeah. I hate to say his name, but Aaron Rodgers does it too. And Russell Wilson <laughs> did it too back in his prime. Yeah. So it's, it's... Shoot him up. Let him go. It's totally possible. <laughs> Lauren, I know, Lauren, I know you and I have both echoed Cortisone. this sentiment. If, if there's any reason beyond, obviously, long-term health mm-hmm. of Trevor, to possibly sit him this week if he is cleared to play, it would be that the weather in Cleveland looks to be uh, a little Miserable. bit nasty. Yeah. Yeah. He already is dealing with a knee injury. It seemed like he was fully healthy, and I now regret tweeting last night early in the game, like, yeah, Trevor's fully healthy. You can tell by the way he's running the football. <laughs> Great. Uh, but overall, like, yes, it, this is not as much as every every single game in the NFL feels like a must-win game. I don't believe that the Jaguars going against the Browns necessarily must win game. We haven't gotten there. There's still five games left. But if there's a chance of re if you're going to put in a player with a slight injury, if there's a chance of re-injuring it or making it worse, you don't want to do that if especially it's going to be bad weather. So yeah. we'll see as the week goes on. The best news, like Mia said, it, it wasn't at least as of today said that it's season ending. Mm-hmm. So for everyone last night, that and I understand, I mean, the stadium, Taylor, yeah. was – Silence. You could hear it through the TV. The silence, and especially when he stood, when he like tried to get back up. Correct. It was. I was like, oh. yes, correct. And I mean, it was. Yeah, the silence was literally deafening. Ugh. And so, it, the fact I'm sure a lot of people at that moment thought the season's over. Yeah. Plus, not not just Trevor, but all the other injuries too. The season's over. Well, hopefully not. Uh, we will preview next week's game and review our impact players that we picked against the Bengals, as well as Taylor's opposing players. You are listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tyrell at Untenton Exxon, 92.5 FM. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tyrell Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. 
One way or another, there will be a football game on Sunday. We shall see who's the starting quarterback, honestly, for both teams. The Jaguars still obviously up in the air with Trevor Lawrence and the ankle injury could be C.J. Beathard. But Doug did say today, Mia, that they're not going after any other quarterbacks, at least as of now, or they haven't had that conversation yeah, yet. Yeah, which so I'm I love sure our... there have to there has to be another quarterback that they're thinking about. Sorry to cut you off. I love our boy Mike DiRocco. but Nick Foles. Oh, yeah, I understand the really? question about another quarter, like bringing yeah, another yeah. Quarterback. Oh, no, that I was totally. But then he goes, but he did I mention e. Nick, Nick Foles, and I was just like. <laughs> Trauma. What? <laughs> D-Rock. Because like, of Doug's relationship with Nick Foles. Yeah. Not I, the time he spent But, here, like, that, why does this have to – I understand they want a Super Bowl together, but, like, why does it have to be the de facto? There's plenty of quarterbacks on the street right now. I was in the press box thinking, like, who else could they get? And then I saw Hacker tweet about Tom Brady. Like, have you ever been to Jacksonville? Would you like to play here? But she's not coming back. But that was a great option if he was. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Uh, if I don't know. Philip Rivers, Rivers once upon a time was willing to come and play for the Niners last year in an emergency yes. situation in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, they I had the plan that. in place. But so. I feel like any quarterback who's been out of football, at least for a little while, and mm. they're like, yeah, I guess I'll come back. It's like, I don't know. I know. Maybe we should just stick with one who's been practicing day in and day out. I do think Nathan Work would be yeah. QB3. Elevate him from the practice yeah. squad, and they'll do the same thing that they – my guess, my guess, because we do not know Trevor's status just yet. Again, all we know, if you're just joining us, he is scheduled to meet with reporters tomorrow. Do with that information what you will. Um, Nathan Work was elevated, standard practice squad elevation against the Saints, mm-hmm. was the emergency third-string quarterback when the trainers cleared Trevor Lawrence to play against the Saints on Thursday Night Football. And so – while Nathan Rourke was inactive, if something had happened, he would have been eligible to yes. play, and so he was suited up. Okay. I would assume, unless they decide prior to Sunday that Trevor can't go, mm-hmm. that that is what the plan of attack will be. Yeah, I Can Doug's will... son play quarterback? Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be – I wondered yesterday, I was like, so would it be Logan Cook when we did see C.J. Beathard Because Christian a Kirk bit? is the other one, so it's Logan okay. Cook and Christian Kirk, right. which you were already down him as well. Yeah. So, so yeah. like we're yeah, we're getting to that. We got to that point last night where we already like, saw a wide receiver know. throw a pick for the Bengals earlier. We yeah. also <laughs> know that Logan Cook though can throw, and yeah. he has a perfect passer rating this but season. He didn't punt well last season, so I, I mean last night. So I don't know yeah. that he was going to throw well last well, night. He <laughs> did just go after Colin Coward on Twitter, Good. X, whatever you're calling it. For uh, I think we question- can just keep Twitter. Yeah, Twitter for questioning the uh, the cart situation. Which, yes. by the way, I've pried around Everbank Stadium for the last 24 hours. Haven't gotten anything confirmed. We will ask Trevor tomorrow, but my again, this is not based on what I've been told. This is just knowing Trevor. It sounded like he was trying to walk because mm. he wanted to at least like keep it moving sure. as opposed to stiffening up and like going right yeah. onto a cart. So that's number one. And number two, as for why the police officer was helping him, um, I would assess it as number one, Jeff Ferguson. Helmets and Heels, frequent listener, mm-hmm. good friend of our show. Um, had, athletic had athletic trainer for the Jaguars. Uh, probably needed to be on the field because at the rate that the injuries yeah. were occurring, you probably want him out there. So that's number one. And number two, because height-wise, I think they were like, okay, we need someone who can be Trevor's height to help him. And thankfully, one of our um, wonderful Jacksonville Sheriff's Office deputies was Trevor's so height. This is not someone 5'4 trying to let go. Right. Trevor. And so, again, this is just me speculating, but that was the assessment I got yeah. was that they wanted to keep him upright and moving. And he wanted to keep moving. He yeah. was trying to get off the field on his own, as is. Right. And so that is why I don't think there was a cart. But, anyways, Colin Coward still led with the whole segment today, which I, I do listen to Coward from time to time. So I'm not bashing him per se. I'm just bashing this segment um, in which he said that it's Florida. Everybody, everybody owns a golf cart. 
Maybe you should move to Orlando because you're a Mickey Mouse operation, to which Logan Cook just quote tweeted it and said, you are a clown, dude. The people in that facility are treated like gold. So, And the one quote he said also, I can't take the Jaguars seriously. And I'm like, of this, it just he all he constantly says stuff like this, and a, a lot of it I think truly is for clicks and hot takes for because sure. he knows that caption's going to get people to watch this video and do whatever. Because there's sometimes where I'm like, there's no way you actually believe those words coming. It out was of really strange, stupid. I mean, come on, we don't have to agree what? that like everything the Jags do is fine. Like, don't you think that was dumb? No, that I would just had him walking out no. with a cop yesterday, like. I mean, Jags fans were making fun of it on Twitter today. It's, yeah, I it's, mean, it was weird, you don't but it have wasn't to defend that. saying you can't take a whole organization seriously because the quarterback said he wanted to walk off. The part that I was, don't know if that's what happened. Well, Logan Bowles, who takes those photographs, yeah. he said he was right there and he saw Trevor say, like, I want to walk. I want to try to walk it off. Yeah, what's interesting, so the layout of the land for us in the press box, straight in front of us is the Blue Medical Tent and the Jaguar sideline, right, because we're on the home side. And so anytime a player gets hurt and has to go either into the medical tent or straight into the locker room, the locker room entrance is also, that tunnel is also mm -hmm. directly in front of us. And like literally where I sit and Mia sits, we're on like the 10 yard line or so. It's literally right in front of us. So almost every time a player gets hurt, we watch them go in the medical tent. Mm -hmm. We all talk to each other about when they get out, whether or not they go back in the field or whether they go in the locker room. Well, at, what was strange about the whole situation is Trevor went the other way. He went to the left. He, he went to the left, and then, because I intercepted him as he was going into the x-ray room, then walked the whole tunnel, as ESPN documented as well. Right. So I don't know why. Like, someone has to step in there and be like, this is ridiculous. Like, I don't know why he, I thought he was getting on a cart and going to an ambulance because he went, went the, the other opposite way. way. And yeah, so I was yeah. like, oh, this must be more serious than what I initially expected because he's not following the procedure that every other injured player yeah. follows. And I saw a cart moving and I was like, oh my gosh. But then none of, he didn't get on the cart and then I saw the video. It just like goes past, speeds yeah, past him. Yeah, I was like, what is exactly <laughs> is happening here? Like none of this is going according to the procedural plan. But either way, I'm not involved in that. So we, again, will just reiterate, at least it seems like he's <laughs> yeah. going to be okay and maybe he'll even play on Sunday. Who knows? We've seen crazier things happen. All right, let's review our impact players. Mm -hmm against the Bengals. I took victory lap uh, in the press box last night when Evan Ingram scored the touchdown because I picked him two weeks in a row and I was bound to determine he was getting a <laughs> touchdown. One of the times I picked him, it obviously had nothing to do with me, but that, what was it, 22-yard reception that he took down the left sideline and then did that jump into the end zone. That was probably the moment that Everbank Field had, or Everbank Stadium last night had the most fun, either that or the Josh Allen interception. Mm -hmm. One of those times, uh, they certainly had a great time. Mia, you had Calvin Ridley. So close to another touchdown and so close to getting this team to win last night. Multiple times. Multiple times over because Trevor hit him somehow, some way before halftime mm -hmm. on that heave in which he didn't even have the laces of the football no. in his grasp. He just kind of, screw it, in the words of Joe Burrow. Yeah. Calvin's down there somewhere. Yeah. Hits him perfectly and it just went through his wild. arms. Yeah. That's a the <sighs> like the weirdest thing with Calvin this year is because he'll do things like that and then he'll drop ones that you see where like it hits him straight in the hands and I'm like how do you make the like diving falling right. on the ground ball wiggling around last second throw but not one that hits you directly where it's supposed to hit you yeah it is crazy because the one he didn't catch on the sideline was wild how he spun and kept mm -hmm. his feet and yeah. everything so yeah it hopefully there will be a game where every pass thrown his way he catches JJ you had Travis Etienne I thought he played fine. Mm. 
Did I mean, you? I I don't think the offensive line blocked very well for him. I think he's the worst short yardage running back I've uh, ever seen in it, my life. Okay. I, he, like, I don't know why they give him the ball every time on those situations and constantly get stood up. So do you think he has holes that he's not hitting? Oh, I don't know. Okay. He just <laughs> runs straight into the back of a – like, the one run, I, I think he – I don't even – it was like he hit a brick wall. It just stopped and he fell every back. Every time. <laughs> I was like, okay. And he never stop. gets, like, that yard. Yeah. You know, like, some guys will get hit in the backfield yeah. and they will still take a dude over for a first down. He never does well, that. Part he gets of it, no too, push. is obviously the rib injury. And whether they're admitting it or not, I mean, just watch the tape. Like, he clearly is twisting his body in a way that favors the rib. Mm-hmm. And in turn, he is not able to plunge the way that a healthy running back would. Which, I mean, if he's not able to do the things that they want him to do, whether that is his lack of vision or if the offensive line isn't playing super well and, and run blocking well enough for him to find some holes, then put in Dearness Johnson and yeah. let's see what we got. I mean, he I think he's earned some more snaps with the way that we've seen him play. He had one uh, carry for loss last night, but everybody has those in the NFL, yeah. including Joe Mixon. And, and so, uh, yeah, all right, so then – on the opposing side, Taylor had Jamar Chase. Uh, I'd say yeah. you had a Ouch. big win with that <laughs> one, unfortunately. Well, I don't have a win on that one. Yeah, but this yeah. This is what's supposed a... to not happen. Right, but... exactly. <laughs> but unfortunately, he had a really good game. Yeah. Uh, and then defensively, I had Josh Allen. He might have been the only defensive player that played well throughout the uh, entire yeah. game. Although there was one time Browning carried the ball, and he was going a- away from us on where we are. And I saw Josh Allen just kind of like look at him run by. And I was like, uh, that's not what we're supposed to do. <laughs> now, I couldn't quite tell how close he was to him. That's easier to see on TV than up where we are. But other than that, Josh Allen had a really He also game. went invisible for a second and got a pick. Because in that moment, I was like, what just happened? <laughs> did you see what Bill Barnwell posted? He did the Pokemon meme. And it's like, suddenly, oh, a rare Josh Allen appears. <laughs> it, what's crazy is, I mean, I don't know how they showed that on TV, but like, it was so obvious Tyler Boyd looked at him in the eyes and was like, I'm going to you. Like, Do you realize that you're in all white, we're in all black? But either way, I do think that play would have been more nationally mocked. It probably was social on social media for a brief period of time last night. But I think that play gets more coverage today if the Bengals lose. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Although I think a lot of people have written the Bengals off already before last night's game. And yeah. so, you know, then they kind of just But like, they'd oh, be like, Zach Taylor, dead. what are you thinking? Right. Oh, especially well, there was a on few the of those first plays. drive. Yeah. No, what there was. Thinking? And Coach Campo looked at me and he's like, like it's, what? what's with these these young whippersnapper offense coordinators, the Taylor <laughs> brothers? I'm like, I don't know, dude. Like, they're just out here wilding. Um, <laughs> to uh, to your point, though, Lauren, uh, my impact player on defense yes. was Trey Herndon, uh, which our good buddy John oh, Shipley no. noted. Uh, and, of course, uh, you know, that that's his guy. But yeah. he did note that. Trey Herndon, was he the glue after all? Because he was. He leaves on the fourth defensive play, and from that moment forth, it looked like no one knew where to go. Mm-hmm. You had Devin Lloyd reverting to his 2022 self, where Andre Sisco is having to line him up, Foyer is having to line him up. Then, of course, with all the depth issues, Greg Jr. and Antonio Johnson are deer in the headlights because they're young players, and suddenly they don't know where they're going to be. And yeah. So maybe Trey Herndon was the glue all along. And there's yeah. a reason that uh, they told us time in and time out. We won a lot of games last year with him as the third best corner. Yeah. I mean, he's that... the Zay to the defense. Right. Exactly. exactly. We just had no idea. We knew <laughs> yeah. Zay was that to the offense. But yeah, I mean, it, clearly that position is more complicated than just playing outside corner. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, not having Trey Herndon was certainly a big loss last night. JJ, you had Trayvon Walker. What'd you think he did? I thought he was... Decent, I guess. Like you said, the whole defense. They 
just got gashed. I mean, that rookie running back looked like Barry Sanders. They were terrible <laughs> he really yesterday. Did. <laughs> and there was one time Joe Mixon didn't bust through for the touchdown, but it looked like oh, if he would have got yeah, it was he it was, was probably like, at the forty yard line or yes, something. It was like oh my, that could have been word. a sixty yeah. yard touchdown. Right Absolutely, there, yeah. and I mean, obviously the defense allowed a lot of explosive plays, including that seventy six yard uh, catch to a touchdown catch to Jamar Chase. All right, and then Taylor, you had Logan Wilson. I didn't. Yeah. He didn't like pop out to no. me. Yeah, and he he's um I think a big part of why the Jags couldn't run too much. Um, but he's also was like a last minute. He was injured, and that was what I was kind of talking about last mm-hmm. week. Like if he's one hundred percent, I think he'll make more of an impact. I wasn't staring at him, so I don't know exactly what he was doing. You weren't hearing his name really called, but the Jags couldn't really do anything up front. So I guess there was a little bit of that. All right, going this week, I will say Blake Hance and Anton Harrison going up against the Browns because they're going to have to try and block Miles Garrett and uh, probably more Anton versus Miles. Miles Garrett does already have 13 sacks on the season, so watch out for him. And then uh, defensively, I'll say Darius Williams because I think who knows we'll see on on Tyson Campbell, but uh, you have to try and keep Amari Cooper out of the end zone. So I'll say Blake Hance, if he plays left tackle, Anton Harrison for sure right tackle. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, and Darius Williams on the defensive side of the ball. Mia? I will say Ezra Cleveland on the offensive side of the ball because, uh, I mean, who knows? We just had a a texter on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures say, does Anton move to left? No, I don't see that happening. I don't think so But, I mean, you have Blake Hance, who you trust, to play any position along the offensive line. And he was eligible several times last night. Yes. Um, And so you, you can play him at tackle if Walker Little can't go. Ezra Cleveland, again, has said that he will play tackle if you need him to. He has not in the NFL, but he did in college. He, he's going to have to shore up that offensive line. And I would think, too, knowing the liability that Luke Fortner has been at times this year, maybe they try to line Miles Garrett up on the interior. We know Brandon Scherf struggled last night. Can Ezra Cleveland kind of carry the load in that interior? On the defensive side of the ball, I have Rayshon Jenkins um, because, number one, I think the Browns are going to try to run the ball regardless of who their quarterback be is. be not to. And yeah. his tackling last night left a lot to be desired after the likes of Troy Aikman on XL Primetime and so many others were praising him for his play against the Texans, and then the tackling just went to mm-hmm. heck in a handbasket. Um, this is per Jake Trotter, who is the D-Rock of the Cleveland Browns. According to Next Gen Stats, Joe Flacco last week attempted 19 passes over 10 air yards on Sunday against the Rams. That was the most in a game by a Browns quarterback in five years. I'm not sure if that says more about the state of the Cleveland Browns because Baker Mayfield was their quarterback in the last five years, and they did go to the AFC Divisional round, or the fact that Joe Flacco just reincarnated himself and it was 2013 all over again. Of course, as Lauren noted, we don't know who the quarterback for the Browns will be. And there's a reason for that, just like Doug even yeah. if right now they thought Trevor wasn't going to play, they're not going to say that. No. That's gamesmanship. That's yeah. how it's supposed to be done. All right, JJ, who you got? Whoever plays left tackle, I guess. All right. So, yeah, that's makes the, sense to the me. The left tackle. Yeah, the <laughs> left tackle. Because that's kind of, yeah, what I was saying is, is yeah, Blake Hance, I'm assuming he's going to play left tackle, maybe uh, Walker Little. And then who you got on defense? Trayvon Walker, every oh. week. Why did I even the ask guy. that question? I know better. All right, Taylor, who do you have for the Browns? My opposing, uh, Miles Garrett. I have to go with defensively. You mentioned 13 sacks. He also has 12 tackles for loss and four forced fumbles this season, too. Um, and then for offensively, I'm going to do a combo because, as we mentioned, running the ball, uh, Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt. They, the Browns' offense in general has the seventh most rushing yards uh, as a team for a whole. 
uh, this season, six most rushing fir- first downs, and they have six, 79, 10, 11, 12 touchdowns between the two of them. So, yeah, try to stop. Both of them would be nice, but at least one. It would be nice. I, this is one of those games that I feel like by probably like midway through the f- second quarter, like well before halftime, we'll know if the Jaguars brought the A game and despite who's playing quarterback, but if they're playing intensely yeah, or we know if it's, oh, here we go again. Yeah, because we also mentioned the weather and if it is rainy and slippery, both teams will be needing to run the ball quite a bit, so... Yeah, let's see what happens. All right, we've got more to do. We will go around the NFL. And also, Mia talked to Zay Jones, Jaguars wide receiver, last night. Uh, you'll hear from him coming up. You are listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tyler on 10 to Nixon, on 2.5 FM. Helmets and Heels on 1010XL, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans. Mia O'Brien, Taylor Dahl, JJ Selva, I am Lauren Brooks. All right, Mia, we're about to hear from Zay Jones after the game last night when the Jaguars lost to the Bengals 34 to 31. What was the overall mood in the locker room? Honestly, as you'll hear from Zay, like clearly frustrated, but much more transparent about their feelings than I anticipated. I have been in a lot of locker rooms after tough losses, after blowout losses, in which everybody packs up their stuff and gets the heck out of Dodge. Mm -hmm. That was not the case last night. Maybe it's because Trevor was lingering and Mm -hmm. a lot of players wanted to be around him and they could tell he was smiling, he was upbeat, and that gave them cause to feel okay and to want to stick around a little bit longer. Um, But usually, and again, I did cover the the 2018 Jaguars. I was not here for 2017. I can only imagine what that was like. Um, But... After losses back in 2018, no one wanted to talk that wasn't named Calais Campbell. Mm -hmm. You had a couple guys who you knew you could coax into talking, um, but otherwise, yeah, good luck with that. And there's plenty of folks in this town that say that everything that I just said is an example of why this group is too soft and they're too much about their feelings and they're not dogs. and, And you know what? Maybe you're right. But at the very least... They're clearly transparent, and we're willing to admit, hey, we didn't do enough. We're still not there yet, and maybe some people did think we were, and guess what? We got humbled again. So here is Zay Jones last night after the Jaguars' overtime loss to the Bengals. Emotionally, you've been in locker rooms where significant injuries have happened. Um, Obviously, we don't know the extent with 16, but what does something like that do to a a locker room? I mean, seeing him on the ground, uh, you know, wincing and – and hurting, that's not fun, you know, because that's my friend and I care a lot about him. Uh, and I know what he means to this team. I know what he means to me and the rest of the guys. So um, that's a heavy blow right now. We'll kind of figure out what's going on with him and uh, hoping for a speedy, speedy recovery for him. How much did, because obviously you're also thinking about C. Kirk as well, how much did him not being in the game factor in? Slash, what did you see from Parker Washington in his plays? Yeah, when Christian is an X factor for us, and he's he's very consistent. It's one of the things that, um, you know, when I watch his game, I admire how he week in, week in and week out is just consistent. And so not having him out there, um, you know, leaves a hole in our offense. Uh, not making excuses for anything, but, you know, that's just the, the admiration and respect I have for him. But, you know, Parker to get his first touchdown on Monday night was, um, I'm sure he was he was thrilled for him and his family and just the amount of work he's put in. Um, Parker doesn't say a whole lot. He's typically quiet and keeps to himself. But 
you got to see a lot of his raw emotion tonight and um, really just kind of see him come alive. And, and so I couldn't be more happy for uh, not only the player, but the person uh, for Parker. Obviously, we don't know the extent of 16's injury, but what do you know? What did we? What have you seen out of C.J. Beathard over your two years here that say if he's got to go this Sunday, you guys have confidence? Cool thing about the league, it's like a carousel of, uh, you know, brothers. You kind of played with someone. or and So I had the experience to work with uh, C.J. in the Senior Bowl when we were coming out. So that's where I first initially met him. So I know the high character man that he is. Um, I know that he cares about his family. I know that he works hard. Um, CJ is a guy who does a lot of the extra stuff. And as I was telling uh, Eugene earlier, I was just saying backup quarterback seems like one of the easiest jobs until you're throwing the fire. But really, it's it's true, truly difficult because you have to prepare all week and not really get those reps, you know, because Trevor takes those. But uh, just the mental fortitude that he has uh, to be in this position, that's why this team and organization has brought CJ back. And so I'm excited to uh, – to see what he does, um, but we got some time to kind of figure out in the next couple of days what's going to happen. Last one for me. Would you describe this locker room as shell shocked or ready to go out and play tomorrow? Um, can I say pissed off? Is that fine? Yeah, probably pissed off. I think is excuse my, you know, but yeah, that's probably the word I would use. Why is that? Uh, just because it's disappointing. You put in the work all week. Uh, we had talked about earlier how. You know, it's a week-to-week business, and you have to earn it every single week. And um, they were the better team tonight, so it's disappointing. And that boils down to what we said, you know, whether it's true or not. Did some members of the Jaguars overlook the opponent once again because there was no Joe Burrow and because it was a backup quarterback and they'd only put up 10 points the week before? And because this team – gone into Houston and scored a big win over the Houston Texans, whether you believe that was because of the play of the defense or because they got lucky and Matt Amendola's field goal went off the crossbar. Mm-hmm. So it's it's once again, it, it's so funny because it, it truly is, and I was glad Zay brought it up about week-to-week league because, I mean, we sat here three and a half, four weeks ago after the Niners' loss, and the sky was absolutely falling. Since then – Trevor Lawrence has been the highest-rated quarterback in EPA per play in the National Football League. The offense has figured it out. And so, yes, it's disappointing now that the defense is the one that needs to pick up the slack. But this is the nature of the league. And, you know, this is where, again, and I don't work for Doug Peterson, but from what guys in that locker room have said, what they appreciate about him is that his temperament remains the same. Mm -hmm. It changes when he doesn't see effort. We heard about what happened week three when they lost to the Texans at halftime when he felt the effort wasn't there, and he absolutely ripped them all a new one. Curious to see what the the message will be this week. Yeah, I think that at the end of the day, you're just waiting for – this is what I think they were hoping happened last night, was you saw both sides of the ball click together at once. And you feel like you haven't seen that a whole lot this season. There's been quarters here and there, but you kind of felt like this was the opportunity to be able to do that. So I, I get why it could be frustrating, and that's why – he the way he described it is the way he described it because it's that feeling of okay like we've done we've put in all of this work and we are to the point where you finally felt like this could be the game to do that and show everybody and unfortunately it didn't happen that way and I think the the worst part like we said is it's Monday Night Football and the number one seed in the AFC is on the line and they are coming in here with six losses and a backup quarterback yeah everything was going in your favor 
but you didn't show up and yeah. play well on defense or, like I said, special teams to start the show. So either way, uh, it's not the end of the season. Okay. It is one loss. Uh, the the Jaguars' fourth loss. The Jaguars are now 8-4. and four. We'll go around the NFL and also the AFC South when we return and, and just take a look at how close that race is. But it's not over. Real quick, a little bit of breaking news. And I am so sorry to do this to my Florida, Florida State Seminole fans Uh-oh. and listeners out there. Patrick Payton has announced that he has entered the transfer portal. Ooh, see, it's funny. Earlier, not funny, but ironic. Earlier... In one of our breaks during the Frangie show, Frank was like, Florida State is just so old. And I was like, they are. I was like, but Patrick Payton is only a sophomore, and he's really good. Oh, no. And I obviously had no idea that was forthcoming. But, I mean, he was one of the only returners yeah. returners on because the team, he's a yeah, underclassmen. And, well, now and, he's not. And, and now he's, <laughs> possibly like many others. Oh, no, it's from his Twitter account and on threes confirming it. it and He probably looked around and – just like a lot of these Gators players will probably look around going, we're not going to be good next year. He probably looks at the situation and says, yeah, this team might be able to rebuild in a couple years, mm-hmm. but next year, look at all the talent that's getting ready to depart for the NFL. Like, I want to win a championship. That or, would be my guess. heaven forbid, you have programs in those other two conferences, and I understand there's several other conferences in college football, but by those other two, I mean the SEC and the Big Ten, mm-hmm. saying – you didn't make the tournament because you play in the ACC and because of the level of competition you played. I, as as someone who doesn't have a, a dog in the fight, that is where, if I was a Knowles fan, I would be concerned because you know that that could be something that SEC coaches leverage mm-hmm. with players in the ACC, with a Florida State player, and say, because you're not playing elite competition, elite competition, like in the SEC and the Big Ten, if push comes to shove, you will be the ones left out of the big dance. Now, obviously, the playoff goes to 12 teams next year, and so we hopefully won't have this issue again, but just throwing it out there. And obviously, if it is true and if he is headed somewhere else, um, as we've seen all too often in the world of college sports, mm-hmm. probably means there's a back channel that uh, knows he has some potential suitors yeah. out there waiting for well, him. Well, Team 13 is going to be very mad next year. <laughs> that they are, but the – like the bottom line tries. for that team is going to be, well, you didn't do enough. I'm sure Forget that team's 12, going to have yeah. lost a game. For FSU, the bottom line was they did win all their games, yeah. but obviously suffered the quarterback injury. All right, our Bell Ringer is brought to you by Bellwether. Coming up next, you are listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tarlett on Tipton XL 92.5 FM. Stilettos and Sabermetrics. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. All right, it is time now for our bell ringers. As always, they're brought to you by Bellwether, where Timeless American Fair takes a modern turn. Located downtown Jacksonville on West Forsyth Street. JJ, take it away. Evan Engram scores his first touchdown of the season, a 22-yarder from Trevor Lawrence to go up 14-7 on the Bengals. Trevor drives it to blitz. They throw it out to the left side. It's caught by Evan Engram inside the 20, along the far sideline, 10, to the 5, dies for the end zone, touchdown! Evan Engram into the touch, into the end zone for the first time this year, a 22-yarder, and Jacksonville has taken the lead. 
Caitlin Clark and the Iowa women defeat Bowling Green 99-65 with Sue Bird and Jason Sudeikis in attendance. Zeke. And then Clark will push the other way. Clark finding Marshall. She's got it. Jason Sudeikis giving the people what they want here at Carver Hawkeye Arena alongside his friend Sue Bird. Parker Washington's first career touchdown as a near pick turns ricochet for a score to tie the game 21. Dropping, looking, Trevor fires to the back of the end zone and that ball is caught for the touchdown after the deflection by Parker Washington. It was tipped by a Cincinnati defender. Washington caught it for the score. Again, our bell, weathers, or bell ringers brought to you by Bell Weather. Go visit Bell Weather downtown on West Forsyth Street. We had not one but two Jaguars plays in that mix. But, Mia, we'll start with Iowa women's basketball. So, Ted Lasso was in attendance. Yes. So, how about Jason Sudeikis, who did you know, for those of you who are Ted Lasso fans or just Sudeikis fans out there, he did play junior college collegiate basketball in Kansas at Fort Scott, I believe it's called Fort Scott Junior College in Kansas. Um, So he did play basketball once upon a time. And so he was at the Kansas game on Friday night and then against UConn. And then on Saturday, he and his buddy Sue Bird, who who would have thought that those two are friends, uh, they made the trek from Lawrence to Iowa City. And no word if they drove or flew, by the way. I would assume they flew, but who knows. And they sat courtside, and uh, they did the Running Man, like the song that he does the dance to in Ted Lasso. And on cue, as the fans are all chanting like, Ted, 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 he stood (laughs) up and he he did the dance. And, uh, yeah, Iowa won the game handily, and that was expected. But also just, like, super cool to see, like, Jason Sudeikis a, loves basketball, but B, wants to see the show that is Caitlin Clark and company. Uh, and the Hawks are back up to uh, fourth in the AP poll on the women's side. Ah, oh, gotcha. That is important. Did you ever watch Ted Lasso? No. I didn't think you did. And that's why I saw the video and I was like, I think I'm missing something because I don't know what this dance <laughs> is. I think you'd like it. And I'm sure I would. I, I've been told by many people. I don't think anybody has said like, no, you won't like the show. But it's just been one of the things where I haven't I just haven't got to it. But I'm yeah. sure I will. Yeah, I would say after football season, it won't yeah. take long because there was only the three seasons. But it's a really heartwarming show. Like People told me I'd like it because the soccer angle. Mm-hmm. Nah. I, the soccer angle had very little to do with it. Okay. It was way more about the relationships and the character development and everything like that. I, I think you'd really like okay. it. And I, I was hooked what's, after like episode two. Yeah, what's super cool about Ted is like, on the surface, you're like, okay, this, like, super positive, upbeat guy, like, I can't do deal with this. Like, you know, like, this is too much happiness. But they're extremely transparent, obviously, with some of the bigger issues that Ted has going on in his life. Um, but also, like, it doesn't feel like it's too happy, happy, joy, joy, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's not. It, and there's some sarcasm woven throughout with Coach Beard, especially, too. So I, I think, like I said, I think you'd really enjoy it. Uh, as far as the two Jags plays... Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate we had two highlights. The Jaguars did not win the game. Evan Ingram, like I mentioned earlier, you knew his he was going to get a touchdown this season. Mm-hmm. It was coming. Uh, and so he was. I thought he played really well last night and really good to see him get involved, yeah. not just with Trevor Lawrence, but when C.J. Beathard came in as well. And then Parker Washington. We haven't yeah, really talked much about him, but other than, yes, the very end when there was a bit of miscommunication with with Beathard and Washington on that play, or sorry, with Lawrence and Washington on that play where Trevor got hurt. Other than that, I thought Parker Washington played really well. Yeah, I, I think it was fun to watch. And I, even 
that play, it was a bit of like a mini roller coaster because I thought it was going to get right. picked off at first. So it was like, a lot no, of us oh, did. okay, Whew, touchdown. And then right. you're like, wow, that was a really good catch, actually. Because obviously when you're watching on TV, it shows it and it slows it down and replays. And I was like, man, he bobbled that for a second and still to bring that back down. Uh, yeah, for, really good uh, concentration. Session. Yeah, yeah. My so favorite was part was that in real time, you saw all the draft analysts nationally just go back and find their takes about Parker Washington oh, yeah. from like freaking I was right. Fred, Fred, <laughs> February. I was like, the pod knew. Thank you, Trevor Sikama, by the way. Uh, <laughs> the pod knew, and we called this in March. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, like he, he definitely was a steal for the Jaguars in the sixth round because on a lot of people's big boards that know a lot more about draft analysis than me, um, they did have him top 10. The medicals, I think, were the big reason he fell and obviously just the nature of the wide receiver position and maybe, you know, this – this notion of, well, if you're not one of the top-tier guys, we can get wide receivers yeah. later in the draft. Um, but a lot of people said, in terms of drop rate, he had the like most minuscule, not the highest drop rate, so the lowest drop rate, I guess, would be um, like near zero oh, nice. during his tenure at Penn State, some of the best hands in the class last year. And Which we saw a glimpse I, of. I mean, you saw that. You saw and, it on the catch and on the fumble recoveries as well. Yes. And, and perfect – game for it to happen when Christian Kirk goes down too because you kind of have this like deflating feeling of oh no not Christian Kirk but then you see a little glimpse of like okay maybe Parker Washington can become something in this offense and at least make it through this end of the season until hopefully you get Kirk back in postseason um, yeah. possibly later but it was it was a fun catch and it was like I said those moments that are it that could have been flopped and not fun whatsoever and he made it a lot of fun so he did and, and I thought the offense overall Again, whether Trevor was in there or CJ, I thought the offense flowed pretty well. Mm -hmm. I did not agree with the holding call on Anton Harrison. I said to you guys at the uh, primetime handoff, like, was it technically a hold? Yes, perhaps because of that one hand on the jersey on the outside. But you hadn't been calling that all game, so mm -hmm. you don't call that in that moment. And you didn't call defensive pass interference that clearly was with Calvin Ridley earlier in the game. So you're not – you shouldn't, to me – if you're going to call it the way that they had been calling it, you don't call that hold. And then we'll, we would have seen what would have happened with another short yarded situation, which again, that continues to plague the Jaguars. Yeah. Yes. Immaculate extension. An is that what we're calling by the way? Oh the, no, the I got a, I got a ton of responses for the, uh, the Trevor tweet. I've gotten the Lawrence leap. Um, we got the, uh, the Prince poke. Um, okay, there, the Duval, <laughs> the Duval. Yeah. I thought that one was kind of weird too. Uh, the Duval dunk. Air Lawrence is what ESPN was calling it. I want to come up with a name for the the Evan Ingram jump into the stands. That was fantastic. Mm -hmm. We really need one of those. Um, the T-Law quick draw. There was the uh, something about the T-Law extension as well. Yeah, the Jaguars tweeted out the immaculate extension, mm -hmm. which I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah. I wouldn't have come up with that. That so one was pretty it, good. It got popped out, and it was like for a second. I was yes. like, "Oh no, this is what I you." Because we were kind of talking. I want to say a couple weeks ago, we were saying you don't want to see an injury on that play, but you also don't want to see it pop out right before the line and it be a fumble in that moment. And there was a, a second, but the, the the second they played it, like the the, mm -hmm. the next time, I was like, "Oh, he's good." But there's, I'm just waiting for that moment where I'm like, Trevor, just be. <laughs> Be a We've also got the um, the Duval dive, the Sunshine sneak, the River City reach. So we got some good ones. Yeah, I like some of those. All right, we are going to keep it on the Jaguars, talk about the ASC South standings, and also we're going to get to college football. We've got a lot more to do. You are listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tyrell at on 1010XL 92.5 FM. 
Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. All right, we'll get it to college football in just a second, but I do want to go over the AFC South. So the Jaguars, like I said, 8-4. and four. Colts and Texans now 7-5. and five. The Colts, shockingly, have won four games in a row, including Wild. just beating the Titans in overtime uh, with Gardner Minshew winning that game for them. And then the Titans are 4-8. and eight. Are you nervous about the Texans and the Colts potentially winning the AFC South? Um, not so worried about the Colts, um, okay. just because the nature of – the rest of their schedule is a little bit more. And the Jaguars have beaten them twice. Yeah, it just it's a little bit more difficult than the road that the Texans have to hoe. Um, the Colts do have to play, face the same Bengals team, and they have to go to Cincinnati. Um, so have fun with that. And if yeah. Jake Browning was a one-hit wonder, good for you. Um, you know, they have to face the Steelers. It's Mike Tomlin. He's always going to find a way to eke out a, a 500 or better record. Although no Kenny Pickett, I would guess, as of now, because didn't he end up having to have surgery? Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah, but he's expected. Yeah, yeah he, Mitch Trubisky is going to start Thursday. Mm-hmm. This would be the following Saturday, December 16th, because they play on Saturday. Um, then they get the Falcons, the Raiders, and then the Texans again. Um, so I'm sure there's some national outlet right now saying that that's going to be the de facto AFC South championship and and. Go ahead. I do think that will be for playoff positioning. There's no question in my mind um, that that Week 18 the Texans matchup. Colts. Yes. Yeah. Um, I do think that's a reality because the Texans' schedule is as soft as Charmin. Yeah. Um, they play the Titans twice. <laughs> they do have to I face the Browns, Charmin. but they get them at home. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> they go face the Jets. Who knows who the quarterback will be this weekend? And then they, again, have to face the Colts. So I think the schedule for those two teams is very favorable in these final five games. Um, so I think there is a world in which they – definitely both make the postseason but I think if you that would be insane knowing not knowing the extent of the Trevor injury Mm -hmm. but hoping that this was a one-off from the Jaguars defense then if you you account for all those things and yes you do have to face the Ravens on Sunday night but you in theory get them at home and you're going to be an underdog maybe that helps not being a 10-point favorite um you know like who's to say that the Jags other four games I mean yes you have to go to Cleveland and it's going to be snowing but then you get the Bucks, the Panthers, and the Titans to end yeah. your season. So I think raining, not snowing. I I don't know if that's good or bad. By the way, for this team, I don't I know. know which is better, rain or snow. The road is better well, for them. I know that much. Yeah, they do that, play better that on is the road. True. And yeah, that's what to me, the Colts, like you said, they they've won four. It's not the most convincing teams that they've won against. Obviously, the Patriots are absolutely terrible right now. The Panthers are not good at all. Uh, the Bucks have been kind of up and down, but they've definitely been a disappointment. The Tampa Bay fans are shouting to fire coaches right now, um, and then Tennessee. But when you look at the Texans, honestly, like they beat the Bengals with Joe Burrow. We saw what the Jags game down. It came down to a, a doink at the end that kept that from going into overtime. The Broncos, whose defense has been really, really good as of late, they were able to beat them. And then they have the Jets coming up. She was mentioning just so when you look at their schedule, probably the toughest is the Browns, and that's without Deshaun. Um, so I don't know that one. It, you have to you have to think there is a little bit of concern there. They're game back, and both of these teams are playing really, really well right now. When the Jacks have a couple losses as of recently, and not ones that have looked pretty. So I think you st- you have to show some concern. But at the same time, at this point, the Jacks just have to win, and I think you have to look at it that way. Did y'all realize that this coming Monday night there are two? Not just two minute football games, but they are on at the exact same time. Really? Oh, I didn't know they, they were. They both same. kick off at eight fifteen. Yes, this Interesting. is this is a new thing the NFL is trying. 
So you've got the Titans at the Dolphins, and then you've also got the Packers at the Giants, both 8-15. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did know this, actually, because, yes, now this makes sense because I was talking to some of my buddies who work on the Monday Night Football crew. Um, shout out to Ithaca College, of course. And uh, and they mentioned this, and I was like, it, it didn't register. But now, yes, now this makes sense to it, me. It makes that literally no sense to me except uh, that the NFL can do whatever they want and they're still going to make money. Uh, so the crew that we had last night with Joe Buck, Trey Aikman, and Lisa Salters, they will be in the Meadowlands. And then Chris Fowler, Lewis Riddick, Dan Orlovsky, and Laura Rutledge, they will be in South Beach. So they'll have the Titans game. But I just feel like it's, it's yeah. very It'll be interesting. odd. It'll be interesting to see those numbers after of, like, who's watching what. Yeah, and it's the, also— the Packers in, have been playing really well recently. Yeah, the Giants, But the though, Giants aren't good. And, and then on the other end, the correct. Titans aren't good, but the Dolphins have been playing right. well. So it kind of—if it was, like, maybe Dolphins-Packers, I feel like that game would be a little more interesting for some people. But um, it, it will be—it'll be fun to see those numbers and who, like, who pulls more during, during that time. Absolutely. All right, let's get into the controversial topic of college football. Where were you when the college football playoff rankings were released on Sunday? Where was I? I I honestly, I think I was just at home because I remember like sitting there and my phone just started going insane. And I was like, <laughs> what is going on? And obviously I had been kind of like going back and forth with some friends throughout the day of who thought who was going to slip in and who was going to be left out and all of these things and several of them being Florida State fans. And so in that moment, I was just like, oh, like, I don't like Florida State. And I've said that, but I felt bad. And I will not usually say that about the Knowles at all. And I felt bad. I think I felt more so bad for Jordan Travis. And they posted the videos of, like, seeing mm -hmm. their reaction when they find out and then seeing Michigan's reaction when they find out. And both videos were just like, one was really sad. The other one was kind of funny. But uh, so I, I think it's one of those moments that when you're sitting at home and you see those, that's a, that's definitely something that you'll be like, man, I remember the day when they left Florida State out. Yeah, it, honestly, it was devastating to, to watch the Florida State video. But yes, to Taylor's point, my favorite video of the whole day was Michigan finding out they're playing Alabama yeah. and not Florida State. Um, which there are plenty of folks who will say that's that's the only indication you needed in terms of who the fourth right, best proved, team. Some that, people would say that proved the Right, that proves who right. the fourth best team was and that the committee got it right. Um, but also, I mean, it, it's gut-wrenching. Would your top four have been different no. if you were on the committee? No, that was my, that was my top four. Okay. Um, I thought they would keep Alabama out and put Florida State in just because in the history of the playoff to say no to an undefeated Power 5 champion was so right unprecedented. Up. But then the reality of next year's a 12-team playoff, and so this committee is not going to have to bear any sort of burden and have to face the music because mm -hmm. their excuse is, oh, well, next year, don't worry, we won't have this issue. Um, so that's a nice little get-out-of-jail-free card, which it stinks for Florida State fans. And I agree with everything Mike Norvell said. It stinks that, you know, you tell you tell your players that we have to play each game and we have yep. to win every game. And if mm -hmm. you're undefeated, you will be rewarded. And then you don't get rewarded. Yeah. Like with the ultimate prize. Like I I I get it, but it's it's unfortunate, but it is hilarious that in the history of the four team playoff, we've never had this situation happen in almost a decade. And of course, the year before it expands to twelve, that's when this happens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean you did, if you're Florida State, you did everything that you needed to do, including playing your second string and third string quarterback, yeah. uh, one in the Swamp and two in the ACC Championship in Charlotte on a neutral site, respectively, and you won the football games because you have a tremendous defense. 
I think the committee would have been fine to put Florida State in, and we would have seen what Florida State's defense could have done to the likes of Michigan. I mean, I don't know that you can sit here and say Michigan absolutely would have won. I don't know that you can say that. You think if it was like 28 to 6, they would have put Florida State in? And that's that's the key. I think Florida State needed to beat Florida by a wider margin, not be down 12 nothing at the half, mm-hmm. and not be up 3 nothing at the half against Louisville. I think both of those ended up hurting them, even though they won both games. But it, when you have people, humans, deciding it, it's yeah. not just wins and losses as much as some people believed that's what it should be. This was an eye test. Yeah. And I'm not saying that it should have been, but that's exactly what they told us last Tuesday. We sat in here last Tuesday and we read the comments of Kirk Herbstreet saying it's going to be the best, the four best teams he didn't say the four the teams moment. with the best resume to yeah. this point. He said the four best teams. That means the committee was going to project who was going to be good in the playoff, who was going to play the best, and they said Florida State without Jordan Travis cannot play the and, best. And listen. Cannot be the best. I, I, again, I empathize, even though I don't understand with you Knowles fans out there. I had so many of you sending me like, hey, look, the BCS uh, – metrics say that Florida State was the fourth best team and like I I get it 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 stinks but it's because the BCS doesn't have the ability to put in that Florida State lost its starting quarterback yeah the BCS metrics are all based off of on field stuff and minus any sort of injury or or eye test again the BCS wasn't an eye test it was a metric system well and I had a friend one of my friends that a Seminole fan and he was like I'm kind of confused about this situation this was before the games and he goes what do, like, should I be cheering for Georgia or Alabama? And I was like, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that if Bama wins, I'm not sure you guys are getting in. Yeah, and you were. they knew they were, or they should have known, I think, that yeah. they were cheering for Georgia yeah. all day long. Right, yeah. which Taylor asked me in our office earlier, um, how many Dogs fans have we heard from here at 1010XL this week? And the answer is certainly a lot, not nearly as many Florida State fans, but it is. they just won two back-to-back. Teams. Right, I also think it's incredible to think that a team – Loses for the first time in 29 games, yeah, and that's it. Right. Goodbye playoff. Yeah. And I know dog fans, the argument, of course, is your non-conference was not as competitive as it would have been if the Oklahoma meeting was, in fact, happening, and that had to get called off because they're entering the SEC next year, and that's not your fault. And Yeah, I think it was you weren't to the committee. You They got off easy with Georgia because you weren't the SEC champion. Yeah. yeah, not, yeah. What would have been really interesting is had – Alabama been able to get into the SEC championship as a two-loss team. Yeah. Then what happens? If the week before the miracle play didn't happen at the end of the game for them to win that, right. how different would it be? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It would be completely different. Because yeah. even if they'd won the SEC, then yes, they don't get in. So then does neither SEC team get in and if Alabama, Michigan, Washington, right. Texas, and FSU? If, yeah. if that scenario They probably would have still put Georgia in over Florida State. Possibly. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean – and that's where, if you're Florida State, it's like, but I'm the ACC champion. Yeah. You are, but you don't have your starting quarterback. I hate to break it to you. It, what's sad to me is if they were truly picking the four best teams, does Georgia anyone, yeah, is, does anyone think Georgia's left out of the four best teams? Right. If, they, if that's truly what they were doing. No, Georgia's in the top four. That's what 3-4-3. Not that's why Texas. I was, that's I was asking you. That's right. What I was that's what 3-4-3 three, yeah. three on the text line just said. It was only an eye test for Florida State. It was, Correct. The eye test would have put Georgia in. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what yeah. what I've been saying since Sunday. Is, but Georgia deserved to be in based off of the eye yeah. test, losing three points on a neutral field 
to Alabama, who we all know has gotten way better since September, and that's mm-hmm. when the game against Texas was. But all I know is is that Allison, again they have two titles. They're they're very fun. Allison okay. Posey fun. took they're that fun. screenshot. JJ, you've seen it, right? The screenshot of Kirby and Mike Norvell yeah. on the Zoom call for the Orange Bowl, and like honestly, a picture is worth a thousand words. If you haven't found it, please go to her Twitter, her X profile, and look at it because it is. It's I just, did see it. I also hilarious. saw Ira Schofel, who covers the Knolls for War Chant. He said that, yes, that one picture doesn't look great, but that they were much more engaging throughout the press conference or the video conference. So, it, it yes, one screenshot can kind of, you know, make you think one thing, but he said they weren't that. No, and, and apparently Kirby said he can't wait to play in sunny South Florida no less than five times. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing that if you're a Florida State fan, that sucks because you can't claim I'm, – I'm assuming Georgia's going to beat Florida State when I say this. You can't claim the word national champions because you're probably going to lose to Georgia. Yeah. And if I'm Georgia, you can't claim that you're probably the national champions because you're beating a team that doesn't have a starting quarterback. It just – the moment that Jordan Travis went down and we knew the severity of the injury – I that was the moment that I really felt for Florida mm-hmm. State fans. It was less on Sunday. Well, yes, you kind of got screwed. You weren't winning the national championship without him, with either Tate Rodemaker or with Brocklin. That wasn't happening. And I think they know that. They just wanted the chance to go out there and at least see their defense play one more time. And those running backs and those receivers and, and the tight ends as well. All right, we've got one segment to go here on Helmets and Heels, driven by Tyrell at Untenton XL 92.5 FM. Helmets and Heels on 1010XL, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans. By the way, quick college basketball update. Florida only down now by two to Merrimack, 25-23. Oh At one point, Florida was down by 10. Oh, uh-huh. That's why I haven't really been mentioning Have it. Have they been struggling lately? Uh, no, they. Okay. I mean, they hung around with Baylor and Virginia. They okay. did well against them, but then they had an ugly loss uh, to... Who did we just lose to? Wake Forest. Yes, thank oh. you, Wake Forest. And Wake Forest has a couple players out uh, that are going to be key to their season. So yeah, I, I that game, we Florida really missed Micah Hanlogton. He's back tonight, not starting, but he's uh, in the rotation. But Florida just down the stretch just didn't play well at all. Had again shooting droughts, which Florida basketball has been known to have as of late. But either way, uh, hopefully Florida gets back on track and wins tonight against Merrimack. Uh, as far as elsewhere oh, in college basketball. I was just going to say, let's yeah. talk about Florida's team. No offense to the Gators. No okay. offense to the Knowles, who obviously have had an up-and-down start to the 2023 campaign, but a big win over Colorado, who was in the top 25 mm-hmm. at the time. Florida Atlantic, baby. Look at them battling with Illinois at the Jimmy V Classic as we speak. Well, they brought everybody back from entire the starting team five. And yep. Dusty May, the head coach, they retained him. So they did a great job. Yep, entire starting five. The head coach is back. A lot of people question putting them, you know, as high as some voters, including myself, did. Uh, they're proving it tonight. And I know that they do have one blemish on their record already. Um, yeah, but, but everybody, I feel like, has that. Yeah, that and especially well. after Maui. Like, after the Maui Invitational where, like, everybody was just beating up on each other. Like, it was very hard for me to go through and try to figure out who the number one team in the country on my AP Pop tw- Top 25 this mm-hmm. week was just because, again, we're getting to that point and the net rankings just started. And so um, for FAU, they're in the top 25 in the net. They're in the top 25 in RPI. Um, so yes, their one loss was to Bryant, which obviously less than ideal, but then they bounced back with a big win over Texas A&M, who might be one of the most physical teams in the country, uh, a win over, um, my friends over at Virginia Tech, 
College of Charleston, we talked about them so much last year. They've taken a step mm-hmm. back, but they did pick up a win over them. Liberty, who's competitive as well, and a massive opportunity tonight with FAU currently leading by a basket over Illinois early in the second half as of this writing. And then in two weeks' time, oh, they're doing a big one. Two weeks' yeah. time, yes, two weeks' time, they will face the current number one team in the country, the Arizona Wildcats. So, uh, as far as the rest of the country goes, uh, I mentioned Kansas earlier. Um, they defeat UConn at Allen Fieldhouse uh, over the weekend slash Thursday, Friday. Um, it was an epic game. Dan Hurley's squad proved why, as much as they lost seven of their top nine scores from last year's national championship team, um, they're still a force to be reckoned with. Like, if, I, in the early days of my interest in college basketball a decade ago, the first lesson I think I was ever taught is if you can go into Allen Fieldhouse, and even if you lose by a bucket, which is what UConn did, you're a pretty darn good basketball team. And so the Huskies, for me, I I, I still am going to keep them in my top five because I just think they're that good. Purdue got upset by Northwestern on Friday night. Get this, Northwestern had never upset a number one team in the country until last year, earlier earlier yeah. in this calendar year. Um, and they upset Purdue, who was then number one. And then this past Friday, they upset, upset number one Purdue again, which ironically, Rutgers did the same thing in the year of our Lord 2022. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Purdue just well, – like, yeah. And last year there was like five or six weeks where the number one got upset. It kept happening, and we were like, what is going the on? The most in college, in college basketball history, yeah. and it was honestly a precursor to what we would see in the NCAA yeah. tournament where you see an FAU and a San Diego State make it all the way to the Final Four. Um, some other teams to watch. Um, Houston has some really massive opportunities for them. Um, I've come under some fire uh, with some of our local Houston Cougar basketball fans, oh. um, which I never thought I would say um, <laughs> because they, uh, in my opinion, uh, and love Kelvin Sampson, and obviously they've gone to a Final Four in the last five years. Uh, this is their non-conference to start the season. UL Monroe, Texas A&M, Stetson, Towson, Utah, Dayton, Montana, and then they pick up a win over Sean Miller and Xavier over the weekend. And so that was where I said, okay, you beat a team now that's of the upper echelon. They will have an opportunity at another top 25 team when they host Texas A&M in a few weeks. Um, and so Houston's an interesting one to watch. Uh, okay. They're in the Big 12 and no more American Athletic Conference for them. And so that'll be one to watch. And then Baylor, that's why I brought it up with regards to the Gators. Scott Drew is a winner. Anybody mm-hmm. who tells you he's not a good coach – and he won a national championship that was played in the Mickey Mouse bubble that was the 2021 tournament. I don't buy it because if there, if there had been a tournament in 2020, there's a good chance Baylor wins that one too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why that, that loss for Florida for Florida me. Florida State would tell you it was winning in yeah, I agree. 2020. Hang the banner. <laughs> Hang the banner. They do have the banner hung, by the way, at the Tuck Center. So maybe the, the football one can I, I'm just kidding, Florida State fans. Um, <laughs> that was Mia O'Brien. Yes, sorry. O'Brien. It was there. It was low-hanging fruit. I had to. Um, but, yeah, Baylor's a team to watch. Marquette, Gonzaga's picked up some good wins of late. Um, so, yeah, it, it's very much the parody is still there in college basketball. Um, and, you know, if, if there was ever a team that has a chance at establishing itself, it's one of the four teams I have at the top right now. Arizona, the unquestioned number one team in the country right now. Um, Kansas, UConn, Purdue. But as we noted, Purdue, every time they get ranked number one, disaster somehow <laughs> strikes very soon. Is there anybody that has super surprised you, whether it be they're playing better than what you thought or somebody that you thought was going to be sitting in that top five possibly? I'm, just, I'm looking at – 
because as I'm just scrolling through, a lot of most of them obviously are like six, seven, eight wins teams, but they have Tennessee at 17 and they're yeah. four and three. Yeah, Tennessee has played an absolute gauntlet. They were in in Maui for the Maui Invitational, which of course is like the premier MTE. What does MTE mean, Lauren? Multi-team event. Yeah! <laughs> we had this discussion last week. Um, they played an absolute... Nobody goal. knew what an MTE was besides <laughs> Yes. Um, part of it, too, is that it, this Tennessee team is a classic Rick Barnes squad where they play suffocating defense, and then they just sometimes forget to score. score. And, yeah. uh, and then that comes back to bite them. So um, they are currently riding a three-game losing streak, but that is to number two Purdue, number one, then number one Kansas, and number 17, North Carolina, wow. which would be, to answer your question, um, the team that has surprised me pleasantly has been okay. the North Carolina Tar Heels. Um, a younger roster, Caleb Love, who you probably remember, anybody listening remembers from the Final Four, the shot that ended mm-hmm. Coach K's oh, yeah, career yeah. in New Orleans two years ago. And then he really kind of went missing a little bit in the national championship game against Kansas two days later. Um, he has now transferred after a subpar season last year in Chapel Hill to Arizona. He is not necessarily the go-to guy at Arizona, but he's proved to be clutch at times. Mm-hmm. And so you lose him, but you do return the All-American Armando Baycott, um, who self-admitted. Um, he was asked during the preseason, take basketball out of this. Fifth-year, six-year senior guy. Supposed to be your leader, but again, as Jalen Ramsey taught us, you don't have to be a vocal leader to be, you know, a captain and mm-hmm. whatever. And says, you know, what sort of team do you think you'll have this year? You know, where do you think the effort will be? And Armando Baycott said, yeah, I think we'll give good effort this year. Oh. Oh, look it up. That's an exact quote. I think we'll give good effort. I think we'll give good effort this year. Because they are a younger Sounds roster. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it and I'm like... I voted for you on my preseason All-American team. Like, Armando, my guy. Like, well, they're, they're giving effort. Right, they are. <laughs> they're giving effort. Their only losses to Villanova, who is the ultimate Jekyll and Hyde, who yeah. I refuse to put in my AP Top 25 as much as I love the Cats. Um, they lost them by a basket in overtime. Um, they've gotten wins over Arkansas, who went, you know, defeated Duke last week. And some people still think Duke is a Top 10 team, even if their ranking doesn't show it. They beat Tennessee. They beat Florida State. They beat a pretty good mid-major in Ben Jacobson's Northern Iowa. Um, so, yeah, I mean, North Carolina is definitely surprising, but uh, you ready for their their uh, schedule this next week? Mm-hmm. Tonight they will face number five, UConn. Oof. Then they will face number 16, Kentucky. And then they will face number 19, Oklahoma. That's their next three games. Oof. So we'll know a whole lot test, more yeah. about North Carolina uh, come mid-December. Yeah, we certainly will. Uh, update on Florida trailing currently 31 to 30 to Merrimack with about 10 seconds left in the half. So Gator's about to probably go to halftime uh, down by a point because Merrimack has the ball. So yeah. Fun. Um, I wanted to ask. <laughs> Not fun. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask JJ about NBA, but actually in light of what I'm seeing on X Twitter right now, um, and because I know JJ loves baseball and Taylor loves baseball, and I know Lauren loves her Rays, I got to ask you three. Where do you think Shohei Otani will go? To wherever is going to pay him the most amount amount of money. money. Good answer. Just like the Jaguars left tackle as an impact player. Yeah, I don't think the Blue Jays are necessarily going to pay him the most. And I know the Dodgers are in the mix. So whoever's going to pay him the most. That's what I say. It's been a roller coaster to watch on Twitter the last few days with that, especially because Cubs have been in talks. And then we'll see run reports that are like Cubs are out. And then the next reports are like, no, Cubs are now. They're they're still in. They have not been told they're out. And then it's just back and forth. And I'm like, 
okay, well, just tell me so I can move on with my life. <laughs> just tell me. JJ, any predictions? Uh, the Dodgers. Yeah. Here's the quotes from Dave Roberts, uh, who says, who's, of course, the manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers. He said earlier today at the uh, meetings in Nashville that they met with Shohei a few days ago and they gave a full presentation. He is their top priority. They are confident he will pitch again. We are betting on the person. They don't know when he will make his decision. They hope it is soon. And so continues just one of the more curious free agency, you know, opportunities. And I I mean, Buster Buster Olney just wrote a great article about how this top secret free agency is a missed opportunity for the sport. It's a missed opportunity for a guy that already the league is not doing nearly as good enough a job of promoting what might be one of the greatest athletes we've seen in our time. Yeah, I agree. That just popped up on mine too. But, and I I agree because when you're looking at it, it's somebody who the last couple of few seasons, all we've talked about is how him and Trout need to not be on the Angels because you want to be able to see more of them and be talk about them more. And here's the opportunity to be able to do that. And you just can't. It's a bunch of secrets. Yeah, well, didn't I read or hear that uh, Gibby may have told me that Shohei wanted it all to yeah. be completely secret? Like, wh- why is that? I- I'm not sure. I guess just to avoid as much drama as possible. I'm, that's the only thing I can think of. because So fan bases that you don't go to don't yeah hate you yeah. later. Yeah. So Buster also reported this yesterday amidst uh, everything going on with the Monday Night Football game here in Jacksonville. Only Shohei Otani seems to know where he's going to sign. One player agent says that he thinks Shohei's going back to the Angels because of money, yes, but also because he is devoted to routine and no organization would offer him more autonomy than the Angels. That would be wild if he just goes back to the Angels after all of this. I mean, I, yeah. I, the autonomy, I wonder, is that because he wants to continue play, playing both ways? Like he wants to possibly be a pitcher and a hitter and maybe the other organizations are saying – well, the yeah, Dodgers said they think only he would pitch, pitch, for, he would pitch for them, too. Yeah, he just won't be able to next year. But they're saying after that. Yeah, I... Because I think, I'm pretty sure they said cannot in 2025. Oh, well, because of, of his injury. injury. No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that's, yes, exactly. But the Dodgers are willing to say, hey, we will let you be a two-way player. Maybe some other organizations want to push more, pick a side. And part of it is, is that in terms of value then monetarily, yeah. if he's if he's pitching and he's hitting, yeah, then that inflates that bottom the line number. so much more. Yeah, let's see. Uh, let's see what Rick Ballou, Lauren, and Taylor thinks about uh, Shohei and more. Now the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet, keeping the rubber on the road with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Uh, Rick, by the time we see you again for Crosstalk next week, will Shohei Otani have a landing spot? I don't know. I, I really don't. I have been following it. I always thought all along he would go to L.A., you know. Um, but now we see, what, Toronto. We see the New York teams. Uh, I honestly don't know. I mean, what's most important to him? Is it the the biggest, you know, is it every dollar or is it a chance to win? I, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's different for everyone. He's, he's going to get paid unlike anyone else, but you go to a place where you have a, uh, a chance to win a ring. I mean, a lot of these guys, I don't know if they cared about the ring anymore. It just feels that way. You know, I think money is more important. I, I always thought quality of life was important, but I'll never forget the conversation I had with Malik Jackson about seven or eight years ago. 
So I asked if Green Bay or Buffalo gave you an extra dollar, you would have gone there. And he's like, yeah, I would have gone there. So to a lot of people, it's just about the cash uh, and that short window that they can work. Is that our segue to uh, the breaking news we hit in the 6 o'clock hour, Lauren? Sure. With what? Patrick Payton. Yeah. Enter the transfer portal. Well, that's about money, too. I mean, Josh Farmer did this last year. He threatened to leave, uh, and the NIL stepped up and paid him. I'm not saying that's the case for Patrick Payton. It very well could be. I think the other side of all of this is that entire defensive line's leaving. And this is a senior and junior team. They're going to be incredibly young next year. There's also going to be a cloud hanging over the school of feel mm-hmm. sorry for me. Right. So I think there'll be a couple of guys that are like, you know what? I don't want to be around that. You just went 13-0. and zero. You did everything you could. And now it's going to be feel sorry for us, feel sorry for that. And a lot of people just don't like to to be a part of that environment. So, again, I'm not saying that's the case. I, I don't know. I, I was really surprised. I was talking to James Coleman about this and T-Wig last night. Um, you know, we were just kind of going through everything. And I we had a long conversation uh, about Patrick Payton, and, and we both agreed that He's the guy on that roster that would have gotten paid the most amount of money. So I think there's a chance he comes back. I, that's just the gut feeling. Tonight is your first show since no. Florida State was left out. Yeah. I'm guessing you're going to be talking about that tonight. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm i not sure. Uh, there's a few things I want to get into. I mean, obviously the Trevor injury and the mm-hmm. Jaguars, I, I, I've always made uh, this, you know, about Jaguars' reaction first. I'm, I'm thinking that I really kind of want to bust out uh, with everything Wednesday. Um, so I'll say, you know, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening here and, and which way we go. But my goodness, there's no shortage of just a, an amazing amount of things to discuss, including this. Yeah. Who left that? Because you understand that around around here, there'll be an email that will come out tomorrow. And, the and it's going to be blamed on you. The assumption will automatically be, even though I sit where Mia sits, that Baloo somehow left. <laughs> left sprinkles. I've never left. Food in a studio in 17 <laughs> years because look at me. Yeah, I don't miss meals. I don't. I, everything goes in my mouth, but I get blamed for stuff like this. I know. I, truly, I was wondering. Who I know it's not sprinkles. Matt Hayes because he sits there during prime time and awake in 180, so he's not eating the sprinkles on Frangie show. Uh, I was the here Frank for two of the cupcake. three hours. Uh, <laughs> there was no food being consumed in no. two of but the Steve three Griffin, hours. But Steve Griffin, it was not Rick Ballou eating whatever had sprinkles. Hey. <laughs> We'll see what happens. But, uh, <laughs> we'll take a picture that it was here when you got here. All right, that's going to do it for us, Rick. I got our ladies. Have a great night. That's right. We will be listening for Mia O'Brien, for Taylor Dahl, for JJ LaSalve. I am Lauren Brooks. Did I say LaSalva? I think I said LaSalve. For JJ LaSalva, I am Lauren Brooks. Everyone have a great night. Don't go anywhere. Into the Night with Rick Blue comes up next.